Greetings, my nerds. Nick Jarin here from Northwest Nerd, voted Seattle's best local podcast. You might be wondering, why are you hearing my voice right now? Well, number one, you downloaded this episode, but number two, it's not a Wednesday, so what am I doing here? Great news. Dyer and I recorded reviews of both Thor Ragnarok and Stranger Things 2 after our episode with Genevieve Has that we released on Wednesday, but... Naturally, we couldn't help ourselves and we went super long. So what we decided to do is break that out into a bonus episode that you will be hearing right now. Up first, Dyer and I will react to Thor Ragnarok. And then after that, Stranger Things 2, which we got into a little bit a couple episodes ago, right after the second season came out. But in this episode, we're going to talk spoilers because what about Bob? Also, spoiler warning on the Thor Ragnarok stuff as well. Before we get to that, uh, a quick shout out to the Hoot Hoots, who are the wonderful band who let us use their song for our intro and outro. Uh, I've had a couple people ask us where that song came from, so go check them out. They're some of my favorite musical nerds from up in the Pacific Northwest right now. The video for this song actually has Jar Jar Binks in it, so make sure you go check that out. Also, if you're not already, go follow us on our social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are pretty consistently NW Nerd on all of those things. If you search for that, two words, you will find us. And hey, while you're uh, poking around the internet, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. It'll help other nerds like you find the show. All right, without further ado, let's get to the discussion on Thor Ragnarok. One hundred twenty-one million dollars at the box office. I hadn't even weekend. checked it. That's not surprising. Yeah, it crushed uh, Thor: Dark World by like fifty-nine percent. Well, it's doing better than Spider-Man: Homecoming. It's yeah. doing better than like a ton of stuff. Well, the one had a solid trailer. Great trailer. If you put Led Zeppelin on almost anything, I think it's that's just a winner right there. Yeah, we we the don't have the rights to, to it, get but up to would have bumped Zeppelin. in with that if I could. Um, Immigrant song. Yeah, but the the uh, whole um, I don't know. Someone asked me like, "What did you think of Thor Ragnarok?" You know, um, compared to the other ones, and I'm like, "Well, like saying that this is the best Thor film doesn't really say much because the the other two have been kind of set low bars." I'm sorry, they're not my favorite Marvel films. I think the nicest way to put them was forgettable. Yeah, I honestly I don't know what Dark Worlds is about. I don't. I, I remember World, the first one a little here's bit. Here's the thing. I do remember, and it's not a good plot. It's okay. about how the, uh, the Dark Elves- Let me live in my ignorance. The Dark Elves started using the ether, which is one of the uh, Infinity Stones, to try to take over Earth, and I forget who the actor was that they hid under a bunch of makeup and turned into a Dark Elf, but suffice it to say, uh, Thor beats them up at the end with his hammer and- yeah good prevails and that's what leads Thor onto that weird trip where he tries to find the rest of the infinity stones and that's why he wasn't really around for Avengers 2 it's because of what happened in Thor Dark World even though no one really cared about what happened in Thor Dark World yeah so with this one though it actually kind of really puts him back kind of in the fighting for like really great Marvel films I felt because they really While also they really holding the really... rest of the Marvel films at arm's length um yeah. What I like about this movie is that it correctly treats Thor's entire thing that he has going on, where he's a comic book adaptation of actual Norse mythology, and yeah. it's all wild colors, and none of it makes that much sense. What this movie does well is say, 
Yeah, it, it really doesn't make that much sense, but we can have a great time doing it. What what I felt that they did, and I, and I don't know if this is true or not, but they went to Guardians of the Galaxy, which is this outer space fun time, mm-hmm. and they said, oh, maybe we should have been doing that with Thor this whole time because Thor is an outer space character, technically. I mean, Asgard's like on another world. They have nine other planets out there. I mean, they, they were supposed to be doing this like the whole time, and we've just been sending Thor to Earth the whole time and doing like these kind of Earth-based stories. Maybe we should actually show Thor out when he's going to all these other planets. Yeah, let him be a and cosmic doing, being. Let him be the cosmic being that he is. And then write in some jokes. Obviously, like they're, they've they learned the formula from from uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy because th- this was filled with just jokes and humor and laughing at itself to the point where uh, the person I saw it with... Um, thought there was too many jokes. Shout out to listener Amy up in Vancouver, BC. Yeah, it but, didn't air on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 too many jokes and too many sophomoric jokes in particular yeah. like like that movie did. I thought that Thor Ragnarok had a better balance and Taika Waititi, the director of this movie, uh, I was listening to an interview that he did on a Ringer podcast and he said that two of his favorite Marvel movies were Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. and Iron Man. And that I think makes that sense. you see both of those shine through in this movie where you see a, a synthesis of those and really someone who doesn't particularly care about Thor or the emotionality of him trying to save Asgard because that's all kind of just like going on in the background while Thor just goes on an adventure that is completely contrived and he's powerful enough to break out of it at any time, yeah. but he doesn't and we have this adventure. Hulk shows up. Uh, Tessa Thompson is there as a Valkyrie, which is fantastic. I really enjoyed that they let her be this like disaffected, disillusioned soldier who has a drinking problem. Tessa and it's Tessa Tom- Thompson. It's so she great. has the greatest entrance that anybody has ever had in the entire Marvel universe. It's pretty good. When she falls into that carcass. Yeah. I, that was that was visceral. That was for the me. Like, that was the best. Ugh. Um You know who's I have so many positive things to say about this movie. I okay. thought it was fantastic. <laughs> but you know who's wasted in it and Honestly, I could have done with him not being in it at all. It's Carl Urban as Scourge. Yeah, I. Uh, I that mean, felt I like get a, it. it's a nice little side story. It felt like a writer's room character that once Carl Urban got attached to it, he's also from New yeah. Zealand. Taika Waititi was like, "Well, I can't completely axe this character. <laughs> I gotta give him something to do." Good but pun. when he, when he starts saving people with the AR-15s at the end, I was like, okay, I'm I'm completely out on this. Like, I'd be fine if the wolf came down and just ate Scourge it was, right now. Like, that yeah, would be a better moment to me than what he's doing right now. To me, that was them saying how cool of an image this would be. This would be, like, a really great frame in a comic book, you know, like the silhouette of it. Like, that's essentially what I think they wanted to do is they just wanted imagery at that point. Yeah. You know, they There's wanted a lot of that. To, Yeah, and so... Um, Not the least of which being uh, Tessa Thompson sashaying down the Bifrost Bridge and then immediate cut to her like smashing someone in a, in their face. Yeah. Yeah. The um what I actually kind of liked about this film was uh I mean it doesn't seem like this is new to anybody but so Thor um for all those of you who uh went to public school like me is an actual mythological figure from North mythology and Earth. I just history. like the idea of him being an actual mythological. Behavior. Exactly. This the, he existed before Marvel Comics, yeah. right? They've taken him and put him in. Ragnarok is the actual end times that in Norse mythology they believe, in. and it actually involves uh, Hela coming up, riding on Fenrir the the wolf, 
Which is um, not what they named the wolf in this, right? I don't know what they named. I, kept on I think they did. For they them might to not say have even. And they, like, I don't think they said, said it. it. Um, but uh, point being, the, it's essentially there's there's also a snake involved. I think in in uh, in Ragnarok, yeah, and then is. eventually the Earth is supposed to burn and sub- go into the ocean and then reemerge from the ocean. And I think the frost anew. giants are supposed to be involved. But you know what? He Thor took care of them in the first Thor exactly. movie. So anyway. so. They, they 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 kept some elements of it that I thought was pretty cool. Then, but and they couldn't obviously stay so true to it because part of this was Planet Hulk that they kind of mm-hmm. wove into this and how they got Hulk into this thing, which is another really great um, aspect to it because they actually gave Hulk a decent part to play in this. Uh, there's also some hand waving about him being able to talk and stuff, though. But that's Planet Hulk. Hulk gets intelligent. Yeah, but. That's intelligent, ex- unquote, unquote, but like for, that's explained in Planet Hulk the book. They don't really explain. And in it the here, movie, yeah. they're just like Hulk can talk now. That's true. Well, maybe because he was Hulk for all those years. They, I mean, I I wasn't quite sure exactly like what I thought about the leaps of yeah believability. And Usually, the I'm the one on the show to quibble about how things don't make sense, and that's why I don't like the movie. In this case, it's so much fun. Yeah. That even as I saw the seams of what was going on in certain places, uh, including Taika Waititi casting himself as a rock monster, um, I was having so much fun that I didn't. Really <laughs> I didn't care. pick up on that. He was, he was like, uh, what was that character? Korg. Korg. Yeah. I did not pick up on that. Yeah, That's very New Zealand accent. Hey, well, yeah, obviously. And if you've seen um, any of his previous work, he's in all of his movies. Uh, uh, the best one, I think, being uh, What like, We Do in the Shadows, which is a mockumentary about. This um, yeah. group of vampires that live. That is one of my all-time <laughs> so good. favorite films. And he's really good in that. Oh, my gosh. And that came around at a point werewolves, where- Werewolves, not swearwolves. I was totally out on vampires. Like, we'd had, like, this was post-peak vampire when this movie came yeah. out. So I was like, oh, I don't want to watch another vampire movie. But it's fantastic. Would recommend. That No, that was amazing. And they're going to make a sequel to it, I think, about the werewolves, too. Oh, really? Yeah. I heard that they I were heard. going to adapt it for, like- an American version, and I was completely oh, out on, on that. We already that have one, you know. It it's it's in English already, guys. I mean, come on, like, this <laughs> isn't there's this isn't you don't like need subtitles. This isn't like when we had like the girl with the dragon tattoo, and we didn't want to have to you know put up with uh, what was that originally done in? This is a movie. I'm not gonna read. Yeah, like I don't know whatever Stieg Larsson's native tongue is. Yeah, we don't want to have to read subtitles, so we're gonna you know we, it's already in English. Point being, um. Though the the film's humor level, did you think that was at an appropriate point? Yeah, I thought it was great because they cor- they correctly treat Thor like the cartoon character that he is. Yeah, because he makes you can either be incredibly serious about what he's going to do and like the turmoil that he would feel internally about losing Mjolnir and what that would do to his psyche, and instead they treat it as a one off observation by Korg, where yeah. he's like. Sounds like you really had quite the emotional attachment to this hammer. It's almost as though you lost a loved one by losing it. And the way that uh, Taika Waititi plays that and the way that Chris Hemsworth plays that, where he's like, yeah, I guess you could. And then they just go on to the next action set piece. Like, I think that that's perfectly fine. I don't want to have a sad brooding Thor. I want swashbuckling space Pirate Revenger Thor. The thing That's is, what they gave us the sad brooding Thor too. I mean, he's there, but the thing with with the humor aspect of this, because like when you know Odin dies and all that, obviously he's not having a good time. And at the end, he's not having a good time, and he has to yeah. 
but with with the humor uh, by the way, aspect, all of the Odin scenes, worst scenes in the movie. Like really? they clearly couldn't get Anthony Hopkins to even change costume. He's doing the entire thing in like a pit stain. What like, wasn't pit even stained linen suit on the top of like some grassy hill? I that's wonder clearly if he was green even screen in the background. Yes, that was my that that was when me, he's where like, I was going to go with that. Around, look around at how beautiful this is. I was like this. This studio is, you in are Burbank? not. What are you yeah, talking about? That was clearly a green screen. I was looking it's at it. So like, bad. So, and I'm wondering if there was like some last minute something that they had to do there, and that's why that was the way it was. Because I it think worked. it was Anthony Hopkins had dinner reservations, and they're like, "Let's just get this done." So, Thor has always had humor to him, like, and even in the Avengers films, like where they have like, "Can you pick up the hammer?" And then he kind of freaks out a little bit, and Captain America sort of can, and then he starts, you know, trying to like compete his girlfriend against you know Tony Stark's girlfriend and and it's just like that that the way they're they're doing that with him but it's always been kind of an aside you know in this case they're just they're really just letting him you know let's just let him expand and just fully be that instead of just like a constant I'm gonna bash things because essentially he was like an intelligent Hulk he just wants to bash things and and, and fight. Well, that and what really works about the way that Chris Hemsworth plays Thor is that he gets at the core insecurity of having to be the successor to Odin, the All-Father, and how Thor is constantly measuring himself against everybody else because he's constantly measuring himself up against his father. And the subtle, really funny ways that they do that is what makes this movie work for me. Like, it's the exact opposite of what happened in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 where Chris Pratt couldn't handle that load and they didn't and James Gunn wasn't really sure how to portray that in their typically funny way instead they veered into too serious and then you have like the starry-eyed Chris Pratt scene where he's like trying to fight against his father and then he turns into Pac-Man and it it didn't work yeah. for me at all. In Thor it totally works because I think Chris Hemsworth is low-key a superstar. Like yeah. more more Chris Hemsworth in things. So yeah, no, I so was there anything that actually didn't work for you in this film? I mean, I've mentioned a few of them throughout, but none of them were bad enough that I didn't enjoy the movie as a whole. Oh, one thing totally bothered me. Uh Idris Elba. When are these big budget movies gonna stop wasting Idris Elba? Like he was in What do you mean like what? he was in he's he's wasted in this movie where he's just like running around with refugees and not you mean really doing anything. They're not using him. Okay. And then yeah. in that uh that other Star Trek movie, um Star Trek was it Beyond? Yeah. I don't remember. The yeah, third one with Beyond. Chris Pine in them in it. He's hidden under mounds and mounds of makeup where you can't even tell yeah. it's him and he doesn't even get to use his real accent or anything. Like they don't they don't let him act. They just yeah. have him flexing at people and grunting and whatnot. And in this one they just have him being a, a mystical leader of refugees. Like what a what a waste. And he's yeah. Well, he's in Let all Idris the Thor Elba movies. Eat. He's not he's not really doing. But he's just he's he's hanging out with his sword, you know, at like transporting people here and there. He sees everything. They don't really do much. Yeah. With them. Um. But yeah. No. I with this one, I, he actually does something a little bit different and fights around. But you're right. They don't really do much with him in this, and they and they can't. It, somebody in the in the film industry just look at the show Luther that he did, and just find a way to put that on the screen somewhere. Yeah. All right, maybe upgrade Dirty Harry and and put Idris Elba in as Dirty Ooh. Harry or something like Would that. Would watch because that's what Luther is. I mean, yeah. Luther is Dirty Harry essentially. But um, all right, well we're running a little bit long, yeah. so do, do you want to wrap it up a with a lot uh... of that? 
Do you want to wrap it up with a rating and then we'll move on to Stranger Things 2 real quick? Real quick rating on this. So I did really like Thor. There was a few little drawbacks. Like I I didn't like the whole resolution just be reminding him that he's the god of thunder as if that... Lord of Thunder? Lord of Thunder. Oh like, yeah, Jeff Goldblum, also great. Yeah, as if that's like a revelation to him this whole time. Oh, I just had to use lightning. So yeah, I, I wasn't really into that. I... This is a really good film. I will watch it again, uh, but I'm kind of only going to go halfway with this with an N-E out of N-E-R-D. Wow. Well, I disagree, although... I I just watched Blade Runner 2049, okay? This is what I'm coming down (laughs) off of. I do agree that the action kind of sucks, and that's where the, um, the acting gets really stale because everything's so choreographed, and what works so well about this movie is that it is a Taika Waititi movie. If you've seen any of his other work, you know that it's self-referential, it pokes fun at itself, it pokes fun at its own premise most of the time, and that's what works about this movie. They poke fun at the fact that Thor is a ridiculous character with a ridiculous mythology behind him that Marvel warped from actual mythology out in yeah. the real world. And that's what works about this movie to me. It it does everything with a wink and a smile, and you can tell that they don't take any of it too seriously, but not in a condescending way. They do it in a friendly, like, Look, we all know this is kind of dumb, but isn't this pretty fun kind of way? And for that reason, I give it an N E R. Well, you're you're. I give it an N E R because I don't think it's rewatchable. Like I, I I would, I probably wouldn't watch it again. I would, but I think it's really good, and people should go see it. If you are on the fence at all, and you already listened to all of this, which had spoilers, watch the trailer. If you enjoy the trailer, you enjoy the movie. Yeah, cool. Let's move on to Stranger Things 2. Which you should We've have watched... seen by now. It came out the day before Halloween, was it? Or the day of Halloween? I don't remember. It's nine episodes. It's all a blur. I watched it all in two days. <laughs> okay. I took longer to do it. Yeah. Let me tell which you I'm something really quick. Of. Let me let me tell you something. Let's let's just cover something real quick. Yeah. Okay. Um I'm getting a, a text message from from listener Grace and down in Portland. Okay, it's a little message saying, hey, watch Stranger Things yet? Um, no, I haven't yet. I haven't been able to do that, you know, whatever, so far. I'm getting a message from Sherry, friend of, friend of the podcast, our friend Sherry Trussler, who yeah. does did like our about Northwest nerd stuff. She did the Superman show with me. She lives in Montana now. She went back home because she, she hates hated living in the Northwest, apparently. Hey, whoa, I'm getting, Montana's kind of Northwest. I'm getting text messages from her. Do you watch Stranger Things yet? Like, I haven't been able to watch this. And she's like, what are you? How do you, of all people, have not seen Stranger Things yet? They should right? all have been texting me. Right. Well, she probably, I don't know, i assuming that she did because you were the next person to come to me and be like, click, click, click. hey, hey, have you seen Stranger? Well, that's because I have care about Stranger? that hashtag content, man. Yeah. <laughs> Stranger Things, I'm like, okay, I, I obviously need it. Like, I'm in the middle of putting together a, another feature for, for the show. I was trying to race through. I was uh, dealing with a costume that apparently nobody got for Halloween. Clickbait. Uh, Clickbait, um, a whole bunch of other stuff, and so and then the night I was actually going to watch it was on Halloween. I was going to go home, but uh, uh, Sean, uh, Sean Dettori of the Mixtape, great podcast and radio show, said, "Hey, you want to come over and watch Poltergeist? My favorite Halloween movie. One of my favorite <laughs> Halloween movies is Poltergeist." And I'm like, "Yeah, of course I'm going to come over." So I go over and end up watching that, and I miss it, and then I get a lift home from Sean's place to to my house, and in Seattle here. And the Lyft driver's like, hey, you have a good night? I'm like, yeah, I watched Poltergeist for Halloween. It, it was pretty fun. And there was like silence in the car. 
And then he, he looks in the in the rearview mirror. And he's like, "Hey, have you watched Stranger Things two yet?" <laughs> no lie. Oh. And I'm like, "I'm meaning to." He's like, "My wife and I have been watching that. Oh my gosh, it's amazing! Like it's he a was phenomenon." Going, uh, so finally, I I I slowly <laughs> was able to finally get through it enough, just in time, to actually talk about it here with you. Um, and apparently, you wanted to talk about Bob. And I thought when you messaged me about that, I thought you're making a funny "What about Bob?" reference. And no, I, I actually watched don't the like film. that movie. What? No, I don't like "What about Bob." You and I are going to have discussion later. I don't like "What about Bob" for the same reason that I don't enjoy "Curb Your Enthusiasm." I don't enjoy watching people just hassle each other. Like that—that that stresses me out. I don't—I don't enjoy that type of comedy. You and I disagree on that one. All right, well, but anyway, I think a lot of people disagree with me. On so that one. I'm going to ask those you. Are very beloved. And this very spoiler-filled discussion with Stranger Things 2. What about Bob? Yeah, what about Bob? Uh, Sean Astin's character, who is uh, introduced as the love interest for Winona Ryder. I don't remember any of the characters' names because, honestly, it doesn't matter. Will's mom. Yeah, Will's mom, played by Winona Ryder. And when he comes onto the show, he's like over-the-top, very nice guy about everything. He like wants to hang out with the with uh, Winona Ryder's boys, and he he just can't believe that this nerd from high school gets to date Winona Ryder now, and and yada yada, and he's all about his job at Radio Shack and stuff like that. And Great like, '80s reference, dude, who, for Radio who Shack. Who are dude. you? Like you clearly better be some kind of plant sent here by the Department of Energy to keep an eye on Will, because otherwise, you are the corniest character of all time. And guess what? We got through the entire thing, and he was the corniest character of all time. They, like. They, they made him. That with him. They made him seem like okay. There's something to be wrong about this guy, and then there wasn't. I think um, Bob essentially was there because they wanted to kill him. They they were going to kill this guy off because at they that point the the arc of the entire show was going to head into essentially the act three. Bob dies. Everybody's going to feel real bad about that, and they're going to move on to like. We can't let him die in vain type thing. That and they and, couldn't kill any of the core of right. the group, right? And they couldn't kill Mad Max because they killed Barb last year. Right. And they would have gotten a ton of flack online that if they, they could, killed They Max. keep killing redheads, essentially? No, that they keep on killing the women on the show. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, they could have uh, killed off the doctor. Yeah. If they wanted to. But for, I have a feeling that they didn't do that because he is going to come into play, much like the sheriff like in the previous season, ends up coming into play in a very different way in season two. I have a feeling the I mean, the doctor not, not is going to... that different of a way. Um, you, you, would, you didn't really know if the sheriff was going to be... Like, did you really know um, he was going to end up being kind of an ally yes. in the first one? See, I didn't, you, I didn't know because he was like a parent authority. It was like parents versus kids. Eventually, everybody comes in at the end. You didn't know like Steve. Steve going to be a cool guy at the end? We don't know. You know, maybe he's a jerk. He's a cool guy. Look at the cool hair. Yeah. You know, and then the sheriff ends up, and even in this season, the sheriff really wasn't being honest with everybody. I have a feeling Paul Reiser, the, the doctor, the guy who played uh, Dr. Sam or whatever his name was. Uh, Doc Owens. Doc Owens. Um, One of the few names I remember. He's going to He's going to end up being something in the future. Maybe the sheriff and him have a relationship just because he saved his life somehow and things like that. Yeah, but, I also um, thought Paul Reiser was going to be more through and through evil than he was. When yeah, he started he ended helping up being a little bit even killed. Yeah, yeah, I was like, eh. so you just who's thought that, who's that? that? Because by the end, here's what I was disappointed in: the bad guy actually ends up being just the monster. 
And what yeah. worked about last season is that we had Matthew Modine being uh, villain B to villain A, which was the uh, the Demogorgon. Like, yeah. if you're gonna make a monster movie, make the monster worthwhile. Well, the hu- the human. You're right. The human was just as bad as the Demogorgon. Yeah. Right? And this time we we didn't have that. This we time. did. No, it we just didn't. wasn't front and center with Billy. Because Billy. Okay. Yeah, we can talk about Billy because Billy is a waste. You think Billy's a waste? completely waste Billy. Billy is a character I actually kind of like a little bit because there's all these little things about them. He's from a different show. Maybe. I don't know. Here's the thing about Billy. Billy is, uh, so Billy is Mad Max brother, right? Mm -hmm. Stepbrother. Yeah. You know, family, obviously. He of the mullet and the mini cigarettes. Right. And they kind of explain him away being a jerk so much because, like, the relationship with his dad is so bad. Dad is obviously abusive. Um, but there's all these little things that are going in there that make you kind of want to dissect Billy because he's such a terrible person. You're kind of wondering why. Like, first of all, Billy, in there, if he's in the future episodes at all, we're gonna find out that 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 a lot of this ire is because that dude's gay. He is he is not. His dad's abusive. He's saying calling him abusive, you know, anti-gay slurs and things like that. But and he's clearly trying to be I'm Mister Macho Masculine. Nobody can know that I'm gay type thing. That's that's eventually going to come like into play, or maybe that's just kind of like the character. That would make me way more interested in his. Oh, he's arc totally is because he totally is that one scene like get like the the, the whatever the cologne on, the hairspray? The guy, he, looking at hairspray, and kind of looks chick stuff out in the mirror, and then like yeah, oh no, there's nothing wrong with that. Just, dire prediction. Straight man preen dire, all the time. Dire. I know. Look, every now and then I take a little extra time with my Murray Super Light in the mirror, with the pomade. But uh, not, I, I don't, I don't do that with cologne. But so you don't do that while your little sister is just missing for hours and hours. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I think that it's just these little things that they kind of throw in there for like little character, uh, like little development with the, with that guy, um, who we're all supposed to hate. Yeah, and we do. Um, just I kind of like when they kind of do that because now I'm. It's another puzzle for me to try to dissect. Yeah. Here's, you know? I'm, I'm glad you mentioned puzzle because. For the first, like six, maybe even seven episodes, you're still you still feel like you're trying to figure things out, and this is partly why I was disappointed in what happened with Bob. I'm also disappointed in what happened with Billy. I'm disappointed in what happened with Dart, which was just yeah. writing was on the wall the entire time. Um, I, I'm disappointed that this show made me think that more was happening than what was actually happening, and then by the end you realize that. Oh, like what made this show fun is that I thought it was going to be fun, not that it was actually fun. Yeah. Like I was primed for a certain experience and they didn't deliver on that at all. Now, that said, you... I will watch Stranger Things 3 because Stranger Things 2 and four, was fun I think in the they moment. have them up to like gosh, what They're going to do at least 4, I think. Yeah, I think they're going to crank these things out yeah. pretty fast because those kids are getting they're getting yeah. taller. They're going to go through gonna, the the They're going to start going through some changes and it's not going to be as cute anymore. So yeah, the um, or and, and maybe they can work with that. Maybe they can say that, oh, you know, we we're going forward a couple years or something like that. But, um, the Stranger Things, Stranger college things, years. yeah, <laughs> it, it works for Saved by the Bell. Ooh. Um, so do we think that perhaps it, there's no way it could have lived up to the hype because Stranger Things one was so solid, Stranger Things two, maybe not. It couldn't have lived up to the hype because Stranger Things one. 
I don't think is as good as the cultural space that it now occupies. Mm-hmm. Um, what was so great about it was partly that it was a surprise. Yeah, it, it was a it was a slow building crescendo into what about Barb and all of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that didn't happen immediately when the show came out. People yeah. kind of had to discover it and what. Watch the trailer a couple times and decide, hey, yeah, I'll watch this Word thing that kind of looks like it's like and... ET ish, kind of Spielbergian. Yeah. I'll go ahead and watch this thing. I hear great things about it. That's what was great about the first one. The second one almost had nowhere to go but down based on how sky yeah. high the expectations were. And I don't fault them for that at all. I think that, I think that given how high the expectations were and the fact that they were already working on this one before they knew that number one was a hit, oh, this wow. is fine. Like you, this, this is okay. That somewhat relates. But I had more fun watching it in the moment than I do thinking about it afterwards now. Yeah. Oh, I think the first one had much more to think about afterwards. This yeah. one was a little bit... This one uh, suffered from the fact that the first one had a lot more discovery. We were discovering who these people were. In this one, it's not as exciting because we know who these people are and we're just trying to figure out where are they going and how do we feel about them now? And it's more about their kind of inner workings with their relationships. The the relationship... Um, you're going to talk about Nancy, Steve, and Jonathan? Yeah, I mean, there was that whole dynamic, and that and that was funny. But the whole uh, relationship between Steve and Dustin, I thought was was a winner for me. I mean, oh, that, yeah. that whole thing yeah, was yeah, just yeah. hilarious. That's Arya and the Hound, man. Yeah, uh, that's that, that. Yeah, exactly. That's a really great way that's, to put that's it. That's like the buddied comedy that I want from this. I show. thought that was pretty solid. So this is a this was a sub question of my first one, and I say this in full like awareness that this is actually me making my point by asking this but don't you think that they're they were doing season two at one point they realized we're going to do more than season two so we're no longer writing for the season we're writing for four like three more seasons out so i kind of felt like at the end of watching this stranger things two, what we were getting was i don't want to use the term placeholder but it's almost like when we get like an Iron Man two or a Thor two or so, or like a, a part two of a film keeping that's meant to be a tribute, keeping the keeping it spinning, but maybe not all the energy goes into it because it's not like Stranger Things two was bad. It has some awesome moments in it, especially when it comes to the character development, and they introduced some new folks to us to pay attention to. But I felt like they were kind of writing this so that okay, now we're positioned for the third. And, and, you know, like, and maybe ultimately like the fourth, like we're going to be positioned to really kick things off on the next leg of this. Whereas two is, is just keeping things simmering, you know? So what was, what is the question in that? Because I think you did end up just, I don't know. Point. Yeah. I just made my point. I said, screw it. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't you think that maybe that they were just writing because, all right, now we just need to play like not a placeholder, but we just need to kind of set ourselves up for this stretch. We can't just make everything all exciting in this one thing. We've got to save everything for this more, you know, two other seasons that we have to do. Because season one, who knows if we would have got another one or not. We just, they really banged it out then. Yeah, that epilogue at the end really made you feel like they didn't know they were going to get number two. And the fact that the the sequel doesn't have that at the end lets yeah. you know that they know there's going to be a three and four. And they knew that when they were making number two. And they clearly do another cliff. Like the first one didn't have as much of a cliffhanger Whereas season two has a cliffhanger. Um, we, Hopper leaves the Egos in the forest, and we don't know what happened to Eleven. 
Yeah, I mean, but we, cliffhanger. but we, yeah, but we don't really, yeah, I mean, that's a cliffhanger, but this one had much more of a cliffhanger where, spoiler alert, if you haven't stopped listening by now, do it now, but we're clearly the Come big, the big bad shadow virus is staring at them, I mean, f- from the other world, like, so clearly that's not gone away and that's still lingering. I think that's more of just kind of like, okay, they're not done with this whole, you know, underside area like this the is upside down the upside down. <laughs> i'm trying to figure like underworld upside down you called it underside the underside um i kind of like that yeah from now on we're calling it that the underside yeah, yeah. um i don't i don't think that was more of a cliffhanger than the first one but i do think that they mean the number two on stranger things too they fall see here's what's difficult about this show because it's so referential mm-hmm. and not necessarily unoriginal but yeah, yeah, referential to its its source material and the types of things that the Duffer Brothers, the creators of the show, were watching and enjoying as kids. It gets a lot of sequelitis here. Instead of one Demogorgon, there's a bunch of Demogorgons, and there's a Demodogs. bigger monster than there. Yeah, Demodogs. Yeah. They have a new name. Um, instead of them playing Dungeons and Dragons, they're now playing Dragon's Lair, mm-hmm. which is a video game instead. Like these are like the Made small. Made by Richard Dyer. Incre- <laughs> yeah. Made by a man named Rick Dyer. I had no idea. And then I watched a video online and sent it to you. And I think we really <laughs> discovered something. Um, but it falls into a ton of that type of stuff. And it it also falls into the sequel way that writers will try to give fans what they think they want, which I think definitely happened with the Nancy and Jonathan thing, where I think yeah. that her getting together with Steve at the end was a was a great ending. I was all in on that. I thought that that was fantastic. I think that Steve of grew the a first lot one. in the first one. Yeah. yeah. With Steve grew a lot in that first one and Nancy gave him a shot. That's what she wanted the entire time. She's not just going to go with Jonathan because they went through this thing together. I thought that that was a great offbeat choice to make there. And then in the sequel, they decide to undo all of that and make her pair up with Jonathan instead, which I think not only I am unhappy with, but many people on the internet are unhappy with because Steve is a catch. And I don't understand what Nancy's doing here. Like, Jonathan sucks. He puts a lot of effort in. He does three pumps of that Farrah Fawcett. All right, three pumps. Um, The reason they did it is exactly that. This is the whole Angel versus Spike thing, you know, with, like, Buffy. Very fan-servicey. I didn't like it. It, Well, that's what... Well, maybe it wasn't fan-servicey. That's the thing is, now we're going to have Steve fans, and we're going to have... what, what was the other guy's name? <laughs> exactly. I'm not even going to tell you. I'm not even going to tell you what his name is. Shut your butt. I've said it so many times, I'm not going to tell you because he's that forgettable. Now, the, now the we're going to have Steve thing fans about him. and we're going to have Jonathan fans. That's what we're going to have. The most redeeming thing about him, and oh my God, we need to cut this off soon because yes. we're going really long. But uh, the most redeeming thing about him is that he cares about his family and he turns away the gun when Hopper tries to give it to him and says that Nancy's the better shot. And I was like, Yes, good job, Jonathan. And there's more if, than if you that. If you take but... away anything from this discussion, it's that Stranger Things 2 is fun. Watch it. Enjoy it. But this show does not stand up to scrutiny at all, I don't think. I think Stranger Things is the start of a game, and we still have the second half to watch. Stranger Things 2. So I, I, I Dude, just, we're like 18 I feel like hours in. I, yeah, but this is, this is binge culture, man. I mean, like, Ugh. this is... I feel like they've set us up to watch the rest of whatever we saw on a future date. 
Like, that, that, like it, it wasn't a bad season. I just feel like it was kind of an incomplete story. I mean, yeah. it was concise for what it was, but um, now we've got more to go. You know, I feel like there's still stuff lingering about Billy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there's still stuff lingering about this virus character. You know, the doctor, What's what exactly is happening with that guy? You know, they shut this whole operation down. We still have a sister out there that we don't know what's happened to her. You know, so there's a lot of and just- And nine others. Do, do we know that there's nine others? Or is, I mean, they're all numbered. They're they're all, yeah, I mean, it's kind of implied. Right? So, I mean, obviously, so there's going to be some other stuff going Can we do on. A quick uh, upvote, downvote on the bottle episode, episode seven, where Eleven goes off and meets not only her mom, but her sister, and then comes back home. And then they play the runaways while they have a story about the runaways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just thumbs up, thumbs down. I liked it. I liked it. I like okay. the, the, the sister dynamic thing of of uh, looking into the characters of what um, uh, 11 is versus, what number was that? Number eight. Eight. So 11 versus eight, where one can go one way with their powers and the other one can go another way. I mean, it's I thought that was pretty good. But well, yeah. they can both go either direction, but the choice is what makes them different. Yeah. Well, they, they had to make that choice, right, when they were going to kill that guy or not kill that guy. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, right, no, well, I, I liked it. What, what about you? Don't you? I didn't, you can't, I didn't you, like that. Episode. You didn't like that episode. It was paced really poorly. Um, they left off like right on jumping into the good stuff with the upside down to go on this field trip with Eleven. That honestly, they could have explored in the next season. I would have been fine if she still hadn't met her family yet. I, I feel like they were doing this whole we're gonna alter our timelines to tell this story to start with, so that you kind of have to figure it out a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah. throughout that entire episode, like Hopper's still wearing scrubs at the end of it. Like he's at the hospital that entire time that she yeah. goes on this. Yeah. Anyway, I and got I got qualms. So got overall, qualms season two, what's your rating? Dang. You know, I hadn't thought about this. I'll I go first. I not thought about assigning it. Yeah, you assign you, it first. You meditate on it. Sway me a little bit, maybe. I am, uh, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with a solid N-E, a positive N-E. Uh, and that, you know, like the, the, it's not going to meet the hype of the first season, but there's an R and a D lingering out there in those other seasons that I think are there for us to to capture. That's that's where we're at right now. We're just at the N.E. I'm going to go with a negative N.E. <laughs> because it's a ton of fun to watch this show and be in this world and hang out with these characters. But the show makes no sense. The show makes no sense. And by the end of it, like all of the hijinks that they get into ends up being pretty easy to get out of because 11 shows up and everything's fine. Yeah. So I give it an NE. Alrighty. I'll and some characters, they get, they might... get the, a lot of characters get the short end of the, of yeah, the stick. Yeah, they didn't use them all. But there, we have two more seasons that we know of Yeah. that, that are out And there. I'll watch them. They're fun to watch, but yeah. they don't stand up to scrutiny at all. Okay. Um, let's cut it off there. Perfect. If you haven't already, go check out our last episode that we did with Genevieve Has from After These Messages and the Grapes of Rad podcasts. We talked about steps to take, about whether or not to get off Twitter, how to kind of softly begin to get off Twitter. And I think that the headlines that continue to come out about them, especially with the news that they verified the account of a pretty public 
white supremacist, I think that there's a lot of questions to be asked about how we should be using Twitter these days and whether or not we should all consider leaving the platform. So go give that a listen. I thought it was a really good conversation that we had with Genevieve. And uh, make sure that you go check out her shows as well after these messages, which she flew solo on for the first time this week, which I thought was awesome. And then also The Grapes of Rad, which features a couple other friends of the show, Aaron Mason and Nick Allers. It's like getting to hang out with three of my favorite people in the world for an hour. It's looser than our show. It's a lot more fun, too. (laughs) Definitely go check it out. Coming up on our Wednesday magazine format episode that's coming up here, Dyer will take you behind the scenes of a nerd-lesque show, which I'm very excited for. It's from his travels over the summer during the off-season. That's coming up on Wednesday. We'll see you then, nerds. I already make terrariums. <laughs> Do you God. not know that? Get at, Do you want to know why here. my orchid is flourishing? No. And that sounds like a bad euphemism for something.